So glad that all of you are here today. And we've got a number of families traveling, a number of things going on, but so glad that you are here. And uh, most importantly, Jesus Christ is here. Amen. Today is the last uh, sermon in this seven-part series that I've done on marks of a disciple. All of these marks of a disciple have uh, began with the letter M. We started off looking at the fact that a disciple is a member not only of the universal body of Christ, but they are a member of a local assembly. We then looked at the fact that disciples are magnifiers, or they are people who worship God both privately and corporately like what we're doing today. We looked then at the fact that disciples are maturing, that they are growing in their faith, that they are not staying static, but they are growing in their faith. We looked at the the fact that disciples are uh, managers, that they, they manage and govern their resources, their time, their talents, all that God has given them in a way that is pleasing to Him. We looked last week at the fact that disciples are messengers, and that means that they share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that they come in contact with. We also looked at a few weeks ago that disciples are ministers, and that means that they are servants, that they actually use their gifts. They are involved in the kingdom of God, serving God, serving the church, but also serving those outside of the church who need to know Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at our final piece of this, and this will combine some of the elements of the various things that we have talked about over these past six weeks, now seventh Sunday, and it is this, that disciples are multipliers. Disciples are multipliers. I'm going to read two verses of scripture, and then I will let you be seated. 2 Timothy 1.5 says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. And then 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so once again, today I'm going to preach on this, that disciples are multipliers. Disciples are multipliers. And I'm going to endeavor to get you out of here in a timely manner today. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a significant difference between addition and multiplication. Of course, when you're a, a child growing up, the first thing that you learn to do is is you learn to add before you learn any other piece of math, usually. And, and, and then you learn how to subtract, and then you learn how to multiply, and, and then you learn how to divide. But, but addition and multiplication, while they're both increasing the value of what you're doing, multiplication has an exponential component, or it is a much greater impact. It could be as simple as, if I am doing something one time every minute, that's addition that I, I'm doing this thing. It just keeps one time. But if I were to recruit someone else, now we have twice the impact if they're doing the same thing that I am doing. 
But if then that person gets somebody else to do it, now it's three times the impact, and you understand how that works. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, and we'll look at it a little bit, God has not called us to be adders. He has called us to be multipliers. That means that what we are to do is to, to find other people that we can invest in, and then they will in turn invest in other people. And now there's two of us, and then there's three of us, and then there's four of us, and eight of us, and on and on it goes as the kingdom is multiplied. It is what God has called us to do. How, how many of you, though, you remember your multiplication tables? You, everybody remember? all You had to learn them, you know, starting at... 1 times 1, and then all the way up to 1 times 12, and then, then 12 times 12. And, and I'm being very, very articulate here when I say times, because being from Louisiana, I drop the S. It's like 12 times 12. I mean, it's like you just drop the S off of that. And so I, I, my wife makes fun of me sometimes because I, I'm talking about it in a singular fashion instead of in a plural fashion. But multiplication is important in the kingdom of God. It is, in fact, the mission of the kingdom. It is what God has called us to do is to multiply ourselves into other people so that they will, in turn, multiply themselves into other people. And I would tell you that while addition is good, addition will not ultimately get the job done. It is too slow of a process. And if I could contextualize that for the moment that we're in right now, addition is not going to get the job done because I don't know that we have a whole lot of time left. That when I look at Bible prophecy and I look at the shape that our world is in and I look at all of the current events, not just the COVID crisis, but I look at the fact that that Iran is, is very close to having nuclear weapons and Israel is talking about attacking them and to prevent them from doing that. And you look at all of the things going on in our world, we are getting close to the time of the end. Which means the less time we have, the more important it is for us to multiply ourselves and multiply the kingdom of God and not just add to it. It is it is what God has called us to do. But a couple of questions is, how, how do we become multipliers? What does it mean, in fact, to, to be a multiplier? How, how do we do this? What does it mean? How, what does it look like? I'm going to endeavor to answer those questions for you. And if I could give you the context of 2 Timothy, the two texts that we wrote, we read today, it is Paul's final epistle. It is his last letter that would ultimately be circulated. He is in prison in Rome awaiting his execution. And this is his last letter that would make it into the Scripture. And, and he writes to Timothy, who is his son in the Gospel. It's the, the way in which he uses that. Timothy is the one he has mentored. He has, In fact, we saw that in a verse. We're going to look at it again. He has mentored Timothy, has poured into Timothy, and he calls him his son in the Gospel. Timothy is the pastor of the local church there in Ephesus. And Paul writes this final epistle, and it has in it some and very important things. And I, I don't have time to get into all of those, but just let that set the stage a little bit for our two scripture texts. But if I, if I take those passages and I take some others, and I'm, we're going to look at some other passages in the scripture today, 
we, we find that there are four truths that I, I want to present to you today about being a multiplier and how we are to multiply ourselves in others. The first is this, is that multiplying disciples should be done in the family. Our text, 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother. And now, it, it filled, then it filled your mother, and then this same faith continues in you. That there is a component of our faith that should be passed from generation to generation. That, that when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, that they should be endeavoring to pass that on to their children and then, and, and then to their grandchildren. It should be this desire to see them know what it is that you know and to have that same relationship with Jesus Christ that you have. I am a fourth generation Pentecostal. I was raised in this. My grandfather was a preacher, got into church. He was, he was anything but a Christian and, and came to faith in Jesus Christ in the early 1950s. God called him to preach, and then he began to preach the gospel. And then my dad, of course, then because of, I think my dad was three years old when, when his parents got into the church. And so at the age of seven, my dad, filled with the Holy Ghost, been in, been in church all of his life. And then at the age of 11, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't because I was just out walking around and heard it, but it was something that my family taught me, something that I picked up from my family. They discipled the family members, the lineage that they had. And it is exactly what Paul talks about here. It was in Lois, and then it was in Eunice, and now, Timothy, it is in you. It is a passing on of our faith that should be done in the family. But this faith that he talks about, it is a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. It's not just a faith in anything. It's not just a belief in anything. But it is a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And, and Paul says, it is in you. That genuine faith is in you. But not only is it that belief, that, that commitment to follow Jesus Christ, but when the Bible talks about the faith, it frequently talks about a set of beliefs. It's, it's important not that you just believe that Jesus is, but what do you believe about him? Jesus would say in John 7, if you believe on me as the Scripture says. We live in a culture right now, and they believe all kinds of things about Jesus. Some, he's a prophet, and some, he's a good teacher, and, and some, oh, well, he is, he is a Messiah. But what, it's, not important, it's not just a matter of believing that he existed, but you have to believe certain things about Jesus. And I don't have time to get into all of that. But those things were passed down. From my grandparents to my parents to me. And now they're being passed down to my children. It is one of the ways in which we are to multiply disciples. It should be done in the family. But I would tell you that it's not just about the family. Because the second verse that we read today tells us that multiplying disciples should be done in the church. That Timothy said this, or Paul wrote this to Timothy, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. 
Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. There is a four-generation process that is going on here. The first is this. Paul has taught Timothy some things about the faith. He has taught Timothy some truths about the faith. He said, the things that I've taught you, the things that you have heard from me, uh, is, is what other translations said. You've heard me talk about these things. Now, Timothy, I want you to take those things that you've heard. Go and teach other trustworthy people. And then those people will in turn teach somebody else. The four generations you have here, you have Paul, who's getting ready to pass off the scene. You have Timothy. You have the people that Timothy's going to teach. And then you have the people that Timothy teaches who are going to teach others also. This is the process of multiplication. This is the disciple-making process that God has ordained for the church. That it's not, the process is not for you to come here every Sunday and just hear me spout off things about the Word of God. While you should come to church every Sunday, that is not the end goal. It is not the end goal that you would just come every Sunday and that you would, you would just hear me teach and then you would walk out of here going, man, we, we heard some good stuff. Or at least you heard some stuff. Maybe it wasn't good, but you at least heard some stuff about the Bible. That's not God's plan. That is a part of His plan. But his plan is that then when you leave here, that what you have heard, you would teach others also. And that when they then believe and and come to faith in Jesus Christ, that then they would teach others also. That is the process of multiplication. It's not just addition. It's not just me to Terry. It's not just me to Donnie and me to Bill and me to Victor. That's addition where I'm just going around. But it's me to Bill, and then Bill to his sister Jackie, and then it's Jackie to her other friends and family. It's the process of multiplication, and then they continue to just spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is how God has designed us to multiply the kingdom. If I could take it one step further, and I'm going to leave our text here for some other passages, but... But multiplying the disciples, thirdly, is the apex of Jesus' plan. It was not just the end goal, or it was not just a happenstance. It was indeed the end goal of what it is that he wanted to do. That Jesus had, some would say, five stages of his calling to his disciples. The first stage of this process is the come and see. That Jesus would say to some of those who would be his apostles, he would just say, hey, come and see. Come and look at what I can do. Come and look at the miracles that I'm doing. Come and look at my power on display. Look at me in action. But then he didn't stop with the come and see. 
he would then say this, come and follow me. Come and see is different because come and see just means you can show up on Sunday. Or you can show up on Tuesday and Jesus is out on the, the mountainside and he's just talking and doing miracles or whatever and just kind of watch him. Oh, but come and follow me. It's not just come out on Tuesday and see what Jesus is doing on Tuesday. But it's to come to be with Jesus every day. It's to come walk with Jesus. It's to, to come be with him. It's to come live with him. And, and I would tell you that this idea of coming and follow me while in the, the first century... The, the process of, of following a rabbi meant that you forsook everything else and you walked with the rabbi. That wherever the rabbi went, that's where you would go. And so Jesus tells them, come follow me. I don't know if I've ever done this. Maybe, maybe I could get Keegan and Alex to come, come up here, guys, for a minute. You're watching online, you probably get cut off as we walk out of the camera view, but that's all right. Come and see means they come and they sit on the front row here and they, they hear me spout off. Yeah, you can sit there for a second. They're going, oh man, this is awesome. This is great stuff. But come follow me means that now they're really following me. So we'll do some interaction. So, so everywhere I go, they're going with me. If I go to Taco Bell, they go to Taco Bell. If I go visit somebody in the hospital, eh, they get to go visit somebody in the hospital. And for Jesus, it's like he's going to Bethany, they're going to Bethany. If he's going to Jerusalem, they're going to Jerusalem. If he's camped out on the side of the road, guess what? They're camped out on the side of the road. That's the, the come and follow me. Thank you, guys. You guys, man, give them a hand. doing a great job of following me there. But it also, this next piece, it's this come and be with me. That everything in their lives are now consumed with being with Jesus. It is this commitment to Him and they are with Him everywhere that He goes. But then Jesus ups the ante and He says this, Come, take up your cross and follow Me. It's not just Go where I'm going. But it's come, take up your cross. And the cross, when we, we look at the cross from 2,000 years removed, and when we talk about the cross, we think of, we think of Jesus, and we think of Calvary maybe. A lot of times people don't even really think of Calvary and what that meant. We see the red cross and they're going to help people and they're, they're going to do good. And so the cross for us is a, a good thing. But the cross for Jesus and the cross for his disciples was not a good thing. It was a symbol of death. It'd be like you, you, you don't see anybody walking around with a necklace with an electric chair hanging on it. that's what it would be like hey let's go to the electric chair together come take up your cross 
I was going to say something about lethal injection, but with all the vaccine stuff talking about, I probably guess I shouldn't talk about lethal injection. Come and take up your cross and follow me. And ultimately what Jesus was saying is come and die to yourself. And for many of them, they would actually die. Judas killed himself. Ten of the others were martyred. They tried to kill John. He just wouldn't die. They took up their cross, many of them, not only figuratively, but literally. But ultimately what he was saying is this, not about being persecuted, not about dying later, but come and take up your cross and die to yourself. That it's no longer, as Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. That I have put to death my, my flesh. I, I put together, put to death my desires and my wants, and I'm taking up his cross. And I'm following him. Then the last phase of what Jesus says is this go and make disciples he doesn't start off with go and make disciples you don't see go and make disciples at the beginning of the book of Matthew you see it at the end you don't you don't see go and make disciples at the beginning of Luke or Mark you see it at the end because there's a process that they're going through it's hey come and see what I can do I'll come and follow me I'll come be with me now all the time. Forsake your family and be with me. Then it's take up your cross. And then lastly, it's that go and make disciples. Notice it's come, 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 and then it's now go. And what I would tell you is being a multiplier is the apex of God's plan. That where he was going the whole time was to make a group of people who would be so close to him and would know him so well that when he left the earth that they could go and do his mission on the earth everywhere that they went. Now they're making disciples. So what I would tell you is this, it is what God has called each of us to do. Nobody comes in and they they become a Christian And the first day that they're a Christian, they're ready to make disciples. They might be ready to share the message of Jesus Christ. They might be ready to tell people, look what Jesus has done for me. But it's not until they've really sold out and committed to Jesus Christ that they're ready to make disciples. And It's just not the way it works. You don't know enough to make disciples. In fact, the Great Commission is this. When Jesus says, go... And make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. A new Christian doesn't really know enough to teach anybody except to say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And that's enough to tell people what Jesus did for you, but there is a point where it's got to be all, it's got to be about making disciples. That has to be the apex. If it is the apex of his plan, it should be the apex of our goal in life. And fourthly, multiplying disciples is the result of spiritual 
maturity. A man named Bobby Harrington, or Jim Putman, actually, has taken the work of a lot of different people and he has pieced it together in stages of spiritual growth. And he's come up with five stages of of spiritual growth. The first stage that he lists is this, is that people are spiritually dead. These are these are people who don't believe in Jesus or, or they're not at least, they haven't chosen to follow Him. They are without Christ. They are not born again. They haven't been re- regenerated or made alive by the power of the Spirit. They're spiritually dead. It is the majority, I would tell you, the majority of people in our world. It is why we have a mission. is to go and find people who are spiritually dead and see that they can be made alive in Christ Jesus. That they could experience the new birth. But when people experience a new birth, that next stage is this. They are spiritual infants. They have been born again. But they're not mature in their faith. That's why we continue to grow and continue to seek after growth. And and really this stage is characterized by a lack of knowledge. It's kind of like the the guy at the, the uh, the pool of Bethesda when he gets healed by Jesus. People go... Who did this? He's like, I don't know. All I know is that I, I, can, I can walk. I, all I know is that I'm healed. I don't even know who did it. Somebody who's a spiritual infant, they say, all I know is Jesus saved me. They don't know a whole lot about the ins and outs. They don't know about sanctification and justification and glorification and pneumatology and soteriology. Look at your neighbor and repeat all those back. <laughs> Just kidding. They don't know all that. They don't know the fancy theological words. All they know is that Jesus has saved them. And then, as they grow from a spiritual infant to a spiritual child, this stage is categorized a lot of times by self-centeredness. It's, what can you do for me? And, I'm growing, but it's really a spiritual form of what we all are, which is selfish and self-centered. It becomes a little bit of that spiritual self-centeredness, and people in this stage will often do what is right, but only if you cajole them to get them there. And you've got to work on them, and you've got to hang out the carrot. Hey, man, hey, this is going to be really good if you do this. It's like... Your children. Same way in the natural. If you, if you clean your room, I'll buy you this. Or if you do your chores, I'll give you something. Sometimes it's the stick, it's not just the carrot. If you don't do this, and this is what's gonna bad bad's gonna happen, you're gonna be grounded. I'm gonna take your phone, I'm gonna do whatever. Same way spiritually, but then as people mature, they, they grow into spiritual adults. And, and a spiritual adult is a person who is God-focused and other-centered. That they're living for Jesus Christ and they're trying to help everybody else. They're trying to bring the gospel to people. They are becoming intentional in their faith and 
They may even share their faith, but they aren't multiplying themselves. And Jim Putnam, Putnam puts it this way, this last stage, though, is a spiritual parent. Which is characterized by multiplying and making disciples. They are intentionally going out, committed to the method, the message, and the mission of Jesus Christ, and bringing people into the kingdom, and then they are then making disciples themselves. So what I've seen in my my 49 years of living, and, and I've been around the church my entire life, that very few people are spiritual parents. I've seen a whole, I've seen thousands who were spiritual adults. But I've seen very few who were spiritual parents. That just like the process that Jesus laid out of come and see and come and follow and come and be and come take up your cross and then go and make disciples. It is that same spiritual maturing process as you become a Christian and then you grow a little bit. Then you become a little bit more mature. But that final step is to be a spiritual parent and to make disciples. And once again, as the musicians come, once again understand that it is it's not addition. Because if you go and make a disciple and it ends with them, you've added one. But if your disciple makes a disciple, and their disciple makes a disciple, and now all of you are making disciples, it's multiplication. The reality is that the church... And you, you could take every church, whether they're a real church or a false church, whether they're the true body of Christ or they're not the body of Christ, you could take all of them and lump them all together. And we've fallen further behind. That the pace of population growth is exceeding the pace of people who claim to be Christian. If you take that and look at those who are really Christian, they're not just Christian in name only, but they're really born again. They're really committed to following Jesus. We're getting left behind because the majority of people never become spiritual parents. This is ultimately, this is what God has called us to do. I've said this to you before. You may remember the Westminster Catechism. 
the first question, what is the chief end of man? Is the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I would tell you that as much as we are to come and worship Him, come and lift our hands and lift our voices and, and sing His praise and to glorify Him that way, Maybe more importantly, is that we glorify Him by fulfilling the commission that He has given us to make disciples, who in turn will make disciples, who in turn will make disciples. And if I could ask this rhetorical question this way, aren't you glad? And aren't you thankful that somebody was a spiritual parent to you? Somebody shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Somebody walked you through the process of what it means to follow Him and what it means to obey all things whatsoever He's commanded us. Because in 1953... So when my grandparents came to know Jesus, if it had stopped there, I wouldn't be here today. And I would say this for many of you, if I wasn't here today, you wouldn't be here today. But who else needs to be here today that only you can reach? That only you can share the gospel. Only you can disciple them. Only you can help bring them to spiritual maturity so then they too can become spiritual parents today. So I call you today to feel fulfill the mission and commission of Jesus Christ and that is to be a multiplier of the gospel to be a multiplier of disciples would you stand together Ultimately, it is true that you cannot make a disciple if you are not one yourself. So the first step in that process is to make sure that you are really a true follower of Jesus Christ. Once you have done that, grow in Him. Grow in your relationship with Him. Spend the time in reading the Word of God and, and spend the time in prayer and spend the time coming to fellowship and to worship God corporately like you're doing today. And I commend you for doing that. And like I preached last week, start sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ with other, everybody that you meet. But then take it that one step further. Don't just tell them about Jesus. Show them Jesus. And help them to be disciples of Jesus Christ.
is not new with me. I've heard it a number of times from a number of sources, so I don't know who really came up with it. They said we need to make the final words of Jesus our first word. That his last command should be our first priority. And that last command was go and make disciples. Now I'm convinced that all of you in this room today, I know you love Jesus. I'm convinced even that you, you for the most part, will agree with everything, everything I just said. Because you love him because it's in his word we have to take it from belief to action to become intentional about telling people about Jesus and walking them through the process of becoming a Christian and becoming a true follower of Jesus Christ so my my job If I follow Paul's command in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ so that they could do the work of ministry. Then my job is to help you do your job. There is a common process out there of, of mentoring. In fact, Jesus actually walked the disciples through this process. It's, I do, you watch, we talk about it. I do it, you help. We talk about it. You do it and I, I help. And we talk about it. You do it, I watch. We talk about it. And then you do it, someone else watches. And then you talk about it. You repeat that process over and over again. It's the same way in which we make disciples. You don't make a disciple unless you've been discipled. So for some of you, we've walked through that process together. It's now time to you do. I'll watch. We can talk about it. Because my job is to help you do yours at the same time that I'm doing this, what you're doing as well. It's not for me just to help you do yours and be sitting back and watch, but I'm to make disciples just like you're to make disciples. But I have the task of making sure that you're able to do it. So I'm convinced that you have the want to. my 
request today is this, is that as we do this, get ready to close in prayer, that you would ask God to help you to know how to do it, how to fulfill His commission. And in whatever way I can help you, all you have to do is ask. And I would tell you this, that Jesus wants you to do it more than you want to do it. So if you ask and you listen, He will tell you how to do it and when to do it. He will point you in the right direction for people that you can disciple. You close your eyes right now. Father, I pray today that Your Word that has been planted in our hearts in our minds today God I pray that it would not just be planted and that it would die but that it would be planted and it would take roots and God I pray that 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 word would then spring up and spring forth and that it would bear much fruit Jesus you said numerous times when you're telling parables and telling the stories that there's some that are 30 fold and some 60 and some 100 fold Christians Lord but nobody is a zero it is your plan for all of us Lord to make disciples God help us to do that empower us motivate us inspire us lead and guide and direct us Lord making disciples for you today. God, we want to be everything that you want us to be. God, we give ourselves to the kingdom today.